Indie Left, what is happening here? To check out independentleft.news. The Indie News Network. Indie Left News. Oh, hey, Indie Left. Independentleft.news. Great work. Indie Left News. The Independent Left. No, yeah. you know what we're doing? We're world building indie. Uh, indie. Indie left news. You were doing uh, the IN in recruiting. Indie news. Independent left news. Shout out to independent left news. Check out independent left news. At Kennedy News. I see indies in the chat. Hi, indie. Okay, great. Bye. Okay, you know, hi. No, no, don't say bye. Say hi. Hi, Sabby. And wow. Um, Sabby Sabs. What an amazing interview with Cornell West the other night. Uh, I just want to start by saying that. But uh, this is, of course, INN and IndieLeftMedia.com. Uh, it's also, it's actually IndieLeft.media. It's IndieLeft. It's a bunch of other sh stuff, too. And I got this guy, Reef, here. He's cleaning his apparatus, apparently. He decided that 10 o'clock is the time mm -hmm. to clean it, to clean his devices while we're going to do some news. Hey! I'm repacking. Nice. Even better. Mm -hmm. Um... He's got the bong cam over there, hopefully still working today. Um, yep. Reef is Good the deal. only the only host that I know that has a bong mounted on an arm that can be pulled over that has a cam mounted to it. Does anybody else you know on any other show have a bong cam? No, I don't think they do. So, this is great. Bong um, cam squeaks, and I don't know how to make it not squeak. Well, luckily we don't we don't we don't hear the squeak. Do we have a dot com? Um, independentleftnews.com, I do have. Uh, IndieMediaToday.com, I also own. Yes, you should patent the bong cam, is what Ed is saying for sure. Why am I getting that feedback yeah. again? Okay. Anyway, uh, all right. So, welcome everybody. How do we miss that? How do we miss that? Is a show featuring articles written by independent journalists who expose corruption, cover workers' organizing, and environmental crises while challenging corporate establishment narratives and talking points. New episodes stream live Sunday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. That's now on our YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, Rockfin, Substack, Facebook, Telegram channels. Podcast is usually published within a couple days at Amazon, Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. We're now on iHeartRadio also. So you can look up how do we miss that on, on iHeart. Um, I am Indy. I am the co-host. I'm the founder and editor of Indie Media Today on Substack, the Indie Media Awards, and a bunch of other stuff too, including what we're going to talk about in the Indie News Network, INN. We got Reef Freeland sitting next to me. He's also a co-founder of INN. He is INN's technical director. He is the creator and co-host of INN News. He also has been appearing on Bitch and helping to produce Bitch with with Comrade Misty. Um, yeah, we're just killing it right now. Both of us are co-founders, like I said, of Indie News Network, a collaborative family of independent content creators. You can find all of our channels on IndieNews.network. He's also a producer and engineer for Tar Reed, the, the politics of survival with Tar Reed live stream. Boom. Do I hear your mic? Yes. Oh, hey, he can talk. Yes, How about that, folks? All right. Uh, please share the, please share this link. Make sure. Yeah, you did. Please make sure to share the link. 
like the stream, subscribe to our channel and all the platforms where you watch and listen. As I said, we are everywhere. Um, yeah, I, I smoke before the stream and then um, after the stream because um, Jones going to get back for one again. And sometimes I'll even cut out in between boats, but not very often. Um, okay, so um, cool. We got a bunch of stories today. Let's get to our thumbnail. Thanks to Big Mad Crab, who is the thumbnail king. But not just the thumbnail king. He's the creative director over at INN. And uh, he went to New York City to an event for the Green Party. Or actually, it was for Worker Strike Back. Was able to ask Chris Hedges a question about Rejoy Gray. Uh, about... Um, Share your screen. Sorry? I'm not sharing my screen. About Cornell West? Cheers. Oh, okay. I have to share my screen with you. Yes. About Cornell West. Yeah. Um, running for president, and that was a really interesting answer. That's over on INN Twitter. Um, he said that basically they're going to try to arrange a meeting and that they're setting that up. Uh, let me find mm. this is the screen we want to share. So that video is there. <clears throat> uh, Greg also killed it and went up to Albany th this weekend and, and saw Jimmy Dore with Jose and Kynan, uh, Jose Vega, Kynan Th Thistlethwaite, who has who have been guests over on the Politics of Survival with Tara. Jose's also done a stint on INN mm -hmm. News or two. We were on with Jose, wow, um, on an action for Assange about two years ago now. One of the first events, one of the first live streams I was ever on asked to be a part of. And uh, shout out to Misty and yep. Andrew for inviting me on that. That was still memorable. Chris Mohan was on that too. I, I remember that real well. <clears throat> so... Ah, my screen just went black. Okay, so let's get to a, our first story. Chris, no, Chris. Chris, no, Sorry, Chris. I'm thinking of uh, <laughs> Chris Tucker doing echo? MJ impressions. I don't know, you're oh boy. I'm hearing myself, but that's okay. Uh, it's going to happen again. So what's happening in TDS land? Uh, I just thought this was really interesting. And actually, he's one of the best writers there is. Hamilton Nolan. He was over it in these times. He has now started a sub stack uh, where he's being going paid and independent on his own called How Things Work. Definitely give him a subscription. Uh, I am a free subscriber right now on Substack. We're going to go through a few different sub stacks tonight. Uh, all the articles are actually found on Substack. So we're really going independent writers that are publishing on an independent platform that I am a big fan and supporter of. So. Hamilton Nolan's talking about Trump, and it's going to happen again. What do you mean? Republicans are going to split the vote and hand the primary to Trump. Uh, spoiler. And I don't think that anybody really doubted that Trump was going to end up as the nominee for the Republican Party. But this just, again, reconfirms, and look at him, with we're all friends here from Jebby Bush. Please clap. Hamilton, again, is talking about our friends over in the Republican Party. I don't know. But Hamilton is saying that sometimes when election year is looming, oh. people who are under the mistaken impression that political reporters have some sort of worthwhile knowledge to anxiously ask, what is going to happen? Um, the wise answer to this is almost always, I don't know. Occasionally, though, there's a small piece of insight that becomes so obvious that it seems rude not to make sure that everyone understands it. And in that spirit, I want to point out. <laughs> right on time. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Don't be in rude. Thank you. Yes. Uh, you're going to get a lot of thank yous again sure. tonight. 
You gotta have what Eventually, can I say you except you're welcome. You know, uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to add that in too. Uh, all right. So occasionally there is that small piece of insight. So in that spirit, we're going to point out something harder and harder to deny with each passing day. The Republicans are absolutely going to split the anti-Trump vote in the presidential primary and hand the nomination to Donald Trump. Does this sound familiar? Remember 2016? Yep. A simpler time. Very funny. The hoes be knowing. Do they? Americans love to listen to mm-hmm. 21 pilots. I didn't. And believe that the political alignment of the last 30 years would hold steady. Donald Trump, a fool, a joker, an amusing sideshow, entered the Republican primary. Ha ha, funny, a big joke. There were 17 candidates. Everybody knew Jeb Bush was the man to beat. Everyone knew Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio would be strong contenders. No, no, we didn't. Everyone knew they that John could have been K- a contender. Everyone knew that John Kasich and Ben Carson were a force to be reckoned with. No, they weren't. Don't forget, don't forget Herman Cain, bro. Nine, don't nine, forget nine. him. He nine, thought the pyramids nine, were nine. brain silos. Come on. Everyone knew that it would be a mistake. For, right. Everyone pieces. knew that it, but it, it was, oh, goodness, many, many pieces. Nine pieces. <laughs> Everyone knew that it would be a mistake for any of the real candidates to tarnish themselves by getting into a mud fight with Trump. So they all proceeded to spend the primaries knifing each other instead. Trump started winning, and they were yep. all so happy because it meant that whichever real candidate emerged would just have the easy task of marching over this buffoon. Smart tactic was to nod and laugh and be friendly with Trump, who had no chance. The real race was for the non-Trump vote. This conventional wisdom, which everyone in the political establishment firmly believed, held solid right up until Trump took the nomination and all those real candidates got down on their hands and knees to endorse him. And then Ted Cruz humiliated himself by making phone calls after he called his wife ugly, which... Fuck you, Ted get, Cruz. Get on the plane. Get on the plane. Just go get on the plane. Yeah. Well, get that on was the Chris plane. Christie. That was Chris Christie. After he went to Can go work for the campaign. Forever? So now it's later. Uh, now we approach the 2024 primaries. That's just unbelievable. The main difference between 2016 and 2024 is that arrow of time. The arrow of time, despite the speculative work of physicists, runs in only one direction, which means 2016's in the past, which gives us all the handy advantage of being able to access the events of that time in the form of memories. I love the way this guy writes. Memories. Boy. In theory, people might even learn lessons from the events of the past and modify their present conduct accordingly. In practice, we're about to do the same motherfucking thing again in an excruciating display of egos run wild. Okay. Yesterday, frequent Sunday talk show panelist and humiliation fetishist Chris Christie, as you so recent so so uh, aptly referred to, joined the race for the Republican yep. nomination. He grew, he joins a group of ten candidates who've already declared for the race. He also joins a group of five other mainstream politicians: Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, DeSantis, who are all going to be on the thumbnail for this clip, Asa Hutchinson, Mike Pence, all compo- competing for the not Trump vote. Few more candidates might still be coming. There's also that guy Vivek, who doesn't even who he doesn't even mention. But Vivek Ramaswamy. I, is, I don't know how you can be Mike Pence and think you can get the not Trump vote. You were literally his VP, like. Well, you know, because he was going to testify against him, I guess, or try, they think that he was going to because the corporate media lied about it. But there are 
Yeah. Varying, there are varying calculations that go into running for president, and everyone is motivated to some degree by the thought that the free media that goes with the campaign might be good for their careers even if they lose. But on the whole, each one of these candidates is making the implicit argument that they'll be the one who'll rally the party's majority, the 60 or 70 percent of Republican voters who are not solid for Trump, to their side to, and sweep to victory. I also don't think that there are really 60 or 70 percent of Republican voters who are not solid for Trump. I think those polls are just off and people are lying to the pollsters. But newsflash, they won't. Instead, they'll divide the vote and Trump's going to win the primaries unless he drops dead. Watch. Probably accurate. The single funniest don't, political... Don't, don't be rude. Well, it's what, it's, it's what Hamilton wrote. It's not what I wrote. Um, mm -hmm. The single funniest political story I've read so far this year was this political story detailing the pitch that Ron DeSantis' political advisors were, go, were giving to top donors on the, even, uh, on the evening of his campaign launch. And see, this is a link I'm not clicking. They conceded that the former president would not likely go below roughly 35% support in a primary, but that such a floor allowed for DeSantis, his strongest rival, to take a larger share of the remaining 65% of the vote. Uh, sure. That's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is you're starting out 35 points in the hole. Another way to look at it is none of us will fight like dogs over two-thirds of the electorate <laughs> each huddling in our corners like, with a small percentage in our mouths, while Trump luxuriates in a series of 35, 17, 17, 15, 9, 7 victories. DeSantis's straight pace... This is like when what? Brian Grimm tried to have football analogies to Justin... Jackson. Oh my god, yes. Well, well, come on, it's like, it's like you're down <laughs> at the, the goal line and, and you just decide to punt. Goal line, and you just... And you, yeah. What? You suddenly start playing soccer. What? What? No, I, I think actually um, he says you have to, you decide to kick a field goal instead of going for it. And you just, some, have, to, Jason, you just have to stare like, at the ball, says oh, Ryan. Just, Justin owned him so bad. It was like, sometimes you just actually have to go for it and take the shot. And you have to do that when yeah. you have the, when, when you're set up and you've put everything in place to win because you could win. Yeah. DeSantis's straight face pitch to donors sounds like a losing football coach telling his team at halftime, we may be down by four touchdowns, but there are potentially dozens of touchdowns left to be scored, so we're actually ahead. If you suspected that, that the major Ron DeSantis donors are dumb, you're onto something. Again, Hamilton Nolan's words, not mine. <laughs> but I agree with him in that case. Uh. If the Republican Party had any remaining grip on itself, it would have viciously intimidated and bribed as many people as necessary to clear the field for a single main opponent to Trump. But Trump broke it quite thoroughly. The Republican Party, as a party today, operates in the sort of bumbling, ineffectual way that Democrats have long imagined their own party. A single sick bastard with TV charisma was enough to steamroll all of the party's power brokers. They're still afraid to attack him. Watching candidates flood into the Republican Party primary and do their little campaign sign... What the hell is that with simulacrums? Okay, and strenuously pretend, I'm going to have to look that one up. I'm going to have to look that one up. And strenuously pretend that they will be able to dislodge Trump from their party without ever saying a bad word about him by outsourcing all Trump criticism to Chris fucking Christie of all people, my God, is one of the most pathetic spectacles I ever hope to witness. Well, buckle up, bro, because this is just the beginning. Unlike in 2016, yep. 
26, uh, in, in 2016, today, they don't even have the excuse to say that nobody saw this coming. We've seen the same movie exactly before. I don't consider this analysis to be a demonstration of some profound wisdom. I just want to give you the option of saving yourself a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth over the, past, over the next year. If 10 or a dozen people are competing for 51% of a pie, and one guy starts out with 35% of the pie, it's not looking good for everyone else. If you had the opportunity to design a crusade to defeat the guy with the 35%, the very first conclusion you would draw, you would draw probably would be, we better not have 10 people running against him. Republicans have already what failed the, that test. What about the 10%? 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 We have all spent the past eight years uh. re inventing reasons why Trump is just about to collapse. Now, uh, no. The, the walls are closing in. Vote blue no matter who. Palmer the walls are closing in, bro. Have. The beginning of the end. The indictments are going to be unsealed any day. I covered, and Hamilton says, he covered the 2015 cattle call primary event in, in Iowa where Trump got on stage and said about John McCain, I like people who were captured. As soon as he said that, all the full-time yep. campaign trail reporters leapt up and ran out to file stories about how Trump just torpedoed his chances. That, like the many insane remarks and scandals that were still to come, was not the case. It seemed a reasonable assumption at the time, sure. <clears throat> we can't expect to be people to be psychic, but we can expect people to learn from the past. Well, we know that most people don't learn from the past, but... Trump's base is a statistical minority of the Republican Party. Yeah, maybe, well, but it's the it's the part that votes. Their inability to outmaneuver him is perhaps the first time in history that Republicans have failed to figure out a way to persecute a minority. Damn. <laughs> the problem is that they're all cowards. With few exceptions, Republican politicians are barnacles who are happy to go down with the ship as long as they can continue clinging safely to its side. Guess what, bro? That's Democrats, too. You will hear some of these yep. candidates launch some attacks on Trump when they finally can conclude that they have no choice. They may even say, as they have at certain opportune times before, that he's a bad, dangerous person. But when they lose to him, they will do the thing that is in their nature. They will fall in line. Also... Just as a side note from Hamilton, he didn't think that Trump would win 2016. That, that experience taught him that only fools make confident political predictions. This is his disclaimer. All has now been disclaimed. <laughs> <laughs> still, some of the observations we were making about Trump back then are still valid today. Yes, and guess what? It doesn't matter. That's what we've also learned. He wrote this about how we, the media, should approach covering this guy this time around. Also this. These will also be ignored. Yes, because they say that you should treat him like a bully and put him under a spotlight in a room that he'll never sit in under conditions he'd never agree to. Yeah, but beside that, sure. Okay. Then, thank you to the many people who subscribe to the Substack. It's interesting to think that the fact that when Michelangelo was painting, he had the Pope paying him. That's interesting. By contrast, I've not received a cent from the Vatican, despite the fact that many refer to how things work as the Sistine Chapel of blogs. Very funny. I depend on... Oh, and, sure. Who yeah. says? This is Hamilton. Can I, get, can I get citations? Sure. I depend mm -hmm. instead on paid subscribers whose thoughtful teeth 
uh, tides help to support this humble church of independent media. And if you want to get on God's I good once side, again asking for your financial oh, support, dude, dude. If you want to get on God's good side, please consider becoming a paid subscriber as well. Amen. Dude, blasphemy, heresy, hilarity. Come on, man, Come on, man is exactly right. That is Hamilton Nolan with How Things Work. That's a funny article, but also a funny article. And we'll see how real that, that becomes. Um, what do y'all think? All right, let's see. Congratulations, yeah. you played yourself. Gamer says he misses Justin Jackson. Uh, I do miss Justin Jackson as well. Uh, he, he's on the Detroit Lions now. He had a great season for them, by the way. Um, 10% to the big he guy. He'll be all right. Desert Mantis. That's right. Oh, Scott Cooperman, fake people, fake people from Scott Cooperman, fake news, fake hey, views. Coop, what's up, bro? Uh, one of these days, I'll actually play that that audio. What does it mean that everyone has a career? What does that mean? Everyone has a career. Uh, I yeah, he was talking about I I he he was wondering why like what happened to Justin Jackson. I was like career happened, you know. Right. Oh well, yeah. He's like everyone has a career. Yeah, he decided. Do you have a spot, a starting spot in the NFL to earn generational wealth? Right. Like okay. Yep. Um. Anyway, uh, like, right, Reef does need to I'll be a little quieter. Cam. Absolutely. I, I, I think Scoop might have invented the bond cam a long, long time ago in some way, shape, or form somewhere else, but Reef actually made it happen, which I love. Uh, Mad Crab going, China, China. Hamishwari Kate, welcome. I'm just saying China. hi to everyone in chat. China. Gammer, Desert Mantis, John H. How are you? Good to see you there, sir. Oh, look at this. We got so many cool people here. Love it. Love it. All right. Um, did Dems declare Biden bad in 2016? No, they actually wanted Biden badly in 2016, but uh, Bo had just died. So he was grieving, and they really wanted to pave the way for Hillary. I don't think that he was bad, but he was handsy, creepy Uncle Joe. Oz the Boomer. Did we blow up the dam? That, is, that, is, that, is that a goddamn... Uh, no, we did not blow up the dam. That was definitely Ukraine and NATO assistant, uh, likely. Nice. Uh, yes, I think his management told him not to do YouTube anymore. I would say that that would be his like personal team, not necessarily um, NFL people. Though I'm sure that there were NFL people that said something to him somewhere along the way. Um, ugh. Crab, Crab is now taking responsibility, bro. No wonder why Seriously? Nafo. What the fuck? Nafo has been all that, over Crab? our shit. Yeah, why you do that, man? All right, so you left your boot. Das, you gotta go back. You, you should have picked up your boot. Yeah. By the way, watch the INN clip boot. that went that was put out today by Reef and Colin on Das Boot and the boot that was found deep in an underwater exploration by the gray zone of all people. It's kind of funny that they commandeered a mm -hmm. underwater drone to go right to the explosion. And hmm, how about that? There's still a boot sitting there. It looks like it's been there for quite a while, maybe about nine months or so. That's fascinating. Um, yep. Now it's kind of, kind of fitting that we talk about Nord Stream because one of the things that um, Cy Hirsch says that the ship had to go through Germany, or actually I think it was moon of Alabama said that, 
in passing through the U.S. warship that the divers were on had to go through Germany, and it was reported five days after the explosion or five, five days prior to the explosion that they were in German waters and had just left it. And basically, that's when everything went boom. So you mispronounced Moon of Alabama. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> oh, we got we got more fam in the house. Rick Solis is checking in. Hey fam, what's happening? Doctor Nick, that was a good show. Absolutely. All right. So um, we, we had got a, our next. We had a uh, Doctor Drew follow INN. I, I don't think it's the same Doctor Drew. It's like Drew MD. <laughs> it's a different Doctor Drew. Oh yeah, but I don't it's think found it funny. I think that's that's like Doctor Nick in some way. Doctor Nick Riviera right? from The Simpsons. All right. So Doctor Green Thumb. It's a Hello, my name Appreciate is Dr. Green Thumb. Okay, so uh, C.J. Hopkins, who we've been talking a lot about and reading a lot of his stories. Um, <clears throat> love him over on Substack Notes. He's there pretty often, pretty accessible. Political satirist, me, <laughs> that's C.J., under criminal investigation in Berlin. Yes, how about that? So he announces uh, this last no. week that the Berlin state prosecutor has launched a criminal investigation on him for tweeting the image on the cover of his book, The Rise of the New Normal Reich. Oh, nice. But here's the letter from Germany. Because of that, yeah. Yeah, so he is charged with disseminating propaganda, which the contents of which are intended to further the aims of a former National Socialist organization, which is punishable by imprisonment for not more than three years or a fine. Yikes. So they're they're claiming he's pushing Nazi propaganda. Gotcha. Yes, the propaganda in yeah. question is the image on the cover of my book, which image will be familiar to the thousands of readers who bought it and read it. It was a Barnes and Noble and Amazon bestseller upon its release in 2022, and continues to sell quite well internationally. What is the book cover? Mm. It's really hard to even tell. Oh, yeah. But blended in there on the mask. With write-ups from RFK Jr., who we know the establishment has spent tons of time going after, canceling anything affiliated with RFK Jr. recently, uh, especially YouTube is censoring anything that RFK Jr. basically talks about because it also talks about vaccines in a lot of cases. Um, you've got a Matt Taibbi quote. Yeah. You've got a Matt Taibbi quote. You've got a Max Blumenthal quote. Freaking Shout out to, uh, dude, I love that guy. Max Blumenthal, killing it. Uh, he was also in Secaucus, New Jersey, at some event um, at Icarus Fest this weekend. He got to talk to a couple of the the INN friends That's and family. That's where they all fly too close to the sun and then fall back to the ground. Kerp Ker- 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 was, the- was there, and they all did a stand-up on Friday night. Kerp. There was a great the opera. There was a great as you might recall, the book was banned uh, by Amazon in Germany, Austria, Germany, Austria, and the Netherlands last August, which was the time of his alleged alleged Twitter crimes. So Germany also started passing a law. I actually got a email recently and they're alerting me that someone had submitted um, and reported one of my tweets to a German authority. And but they've actually cleared me of being safe or you know not violating German policy. Well, thank you very much because I try Watch not to do that. Well, we all try to do that. Um, so prosecutors notice orders him to respond to the charge within two weeks. 
So it's possible to the, uh, that the deadline to respond was today, uh, the day that he received the notice of the investigation, which was dated May 25th in the mail. That's crazy. It took him two weeks yeah. to deliver it. Hmm, I wonder why they, why it did that. <clears throat> Along with my response to the charge, I'm ordered to provide the prosecutor with all my personal identification papers and documentation of my net monthly income. Papers, please. Obviously, the cover of my you book is... You ever played Papers, Please? You should play Papers, Please. No, Very I Very good not. game. <clears throat> but obviously... Florida Aristoka. The cover of the book is not propaganda mm -hmm. intended to further the aims of a former National Socialist Organization. Anyone vaguely familiar with my work over the last 30 years is aware of my fierce opposition to fascism, totalitarianism, and all other forms of authoritarianism. The charges are utterly ridiculous. Swastikas are banned in Germany if they're used to promote Nazism, fascism, neo-Nazi organizations, etc. However, they are allowed to be displayed for the purposes of civic education, countering anti-constitutional activities, art and science, research and education, coverage of historic and current events, and similar purposes, according to German law. That's the quote. Given the circumstances, I have to assume that the Berlin state prosecutor has launched this absurd investigation in order to punish me for my aggressive opposition to the rollout of the new normal or to intimidate me into silence. There's quite a lot of that going around these days. Just ask Matt Taibbi, Roger Waters, Sushirit Bakati, and I, uh, Indie Media Award honoree Kit Clarenberg, among others. It is possible that these trumped-up charges are also a result of my criticism of the official Russia-Ukraine narrative, which is also possible, but he's been pretty tough on the NATO-backed neo-Nazis and the official propaganda the corporate media has been churning out. Agreed, but they've also been letting a lot of that go and letting more of the truth out over time because I think that they're looking to move on to Taiwan, but I could be wrong. Whatever the actual reason is, I am, needless to say, angry. I will be responding to this baseless and unsupportable charge in robust fashion. I'll keep you posted. And in the meantime, I need to go hire a lawyer. CJ Hopkins is an American who lives in Germany, by the way. Uh, heartfelt thanks to everyone expressing their support. Rest assured, whatever the new normal fascists do to me, I intend to use this ridiculous investigation as another opportunity to shine a bright fucking light on the new totalitarianism I've been writing about for the last three and arguably seven years. Shout out to C.J. Hopkins. Um, I'm I'm gonna tease it out, but he's getting an indie media an indie media award this year. I can tell you right now, he's already written enough that he's gonna be getting one. But I, that's not gonna be till October. And what was that? Was that you? Was that me? Who's that? I don't know. I don't know. That was you. Oh, that's your voice thing. Oh, I know what that is. Yeah. Uh, so, um, free CJ Hopkins. Uh, I'm not really free, but support CJ. This is bullshit. Um, yeah, more censorship, more coming after anyone that's opposing the security state, more people coming after those that question the official narrative and that poke holes in the nonsense on a regular basis. So big fan of CJ Hopkins. Give him a shout. Give him a follow. You can follow him on Twitter. He's like CJ Hopkins underscore Z23. 
And uh, you can follow him over here on I'm Substack as well. Anthony Hopkins. No. He's also guy. got a website, cjhopkins.com. And he also writes for Off Guardian, who wrote up a piece supporting him. So stuff occasionally. Off Guardian's great. I love those guys. They're, they're funny and they're completely banned and censored and they tell the truth. But, you know, they got this, this kind of news guard rating that they're quote unquote fake news or whatever. And no, they just question stuff. Yeah. Max Blumenthal is definitely living rent free in some people's heads, in a lot of people's heads. Coming um, to a substack near you. Man, that was mwah, that Rachel Maddow stuff. Max Blumenthal scoop. I don't know if you got to see Max Blumenthal going and challenging Rachel Maddow at that at that um, defense contractor event where she was a keynote speaker. She was probably getting paid fifty to seventy five thousand dollars for that event to be there. And he walked up and told her that her speech was boring, and then asked if she's ever going to have any kind of public accounting for how badly she propagated Russiagate now that it's been completely debunked in 17 different ways. And she just kind of stood there and peered down her nose at him like a, and you are like a complete, like, you know, condescending shit lib. And then she like kind of jokingly was like, huh, coming, coming to a Substack soon near you. So she gave Substack a huge boost and lift to everyone in the, in the, in, in the audience. They're all laughing. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, while well, the corporate media is getting your ass kicked daily by Substack, but I reminisce. Anyway, um, three years and in a German prison. Yes, that would not be cool. Remember, they've also been going after Alina Lip uh, since last summer for reporting about Ukraine. Um, R. Reid had her on la at the end of last summer, and she's been getting a lot of heat from the NAFO clowns. Yeah, and interesting how the current fash doesn't want to be reminded or compared to the previous. Yes, that is kind of interesting. Meet the new fash, not the same as the old fash. No. Nope. Um, still love that Matto peering down at Max. Yep, try, as she tries to read his ba his name badge. And your name is, oh yeah, your daddy was was a Clinton advisor, but of course you, you're like one of the best investigative journalists out there. Also, Gray Zone Indie Media Award honoree doing killer work out there. Everybody, Double Down News, by the way, was censored this week. Yes, screw Google. We are being heavily suppressed. I agree. If you don't subscribe, um, you're basically not finding this thing. Even if you search the the word the words Indie News Network, we appear nowhere. You literally have to do Indie News Network and then INN in parentheses afterwards in order to even find us. It's crazy. All right, so. <clears throat> We have a couple more stories. Next one is a Twitter files. Ooh. All right. Twitter files. Let's get to oh, Aaron Mate. Yes, Aaron Mate was given another opportunity to work with Racket News and get access to Matt Taibbi's treasure trove cache of data from the Twitter files, from which they're still trying to sort about a bunch of stuff out and going through all of the communications that they got from that dump. So again, on the 7th, so that was, what, Wednesday, uh, the FBI helps, helps the Ukraine censor Twitter users and obtain their info, including journalists, including a journalist named Aaron Mate. Yeah. The FBI aided a Ukrainian intelligence effort to ban Twitter users and collect their data leaks reveal. Twitter declined to censor journalists targeted by Ukraine, including Aaron Mate. So they asked and were declined by Twitter because... 
they didn't see a reason to. So there's our friends over at the FBI. Hi, John. There's our FBI. I'm, I'm just saying hi to our handler that's listening because they're always listening. The FBI has... Guys, I'm doing a show. I'll be back. All right. FBI has aided a Ukrainian intelligence effort to censor social media users and obtain their personal information leaked, leaked emails revealed. In March of 2022, an FBI special agent sent Twitter a list of accounts on behalf of the Security Service of Ukraine, or the SBU, Ukraine's main intelligence agency. The accounts the FBI wrote are suspected by the SBU in spreading fear and disinformation, quote-unquote. In the what about malinformation? Well, miss, miss, fear, miss, dis, and mal. Right. That, those are my, th those mm -hmm. are my three, my three pets, miss, dis, and mal. <laughs> yeah. um, in an attached memo, the SBU asked Twitter to remove the accounts and hand over the user data. Hand over the user data, not even just remove the accounts, but we want to know everything about who they are and what, and what you know about them. The Ukrainian government's FBI-enabled targets extend to members of the media. The SBU list that the FBI provided to Twitter included my name and Twitter profile. In its response to the FBI, Twitter agreed to review the accounts for inauthenticity, but raised concerns about the inclusion of me and other American, Canadian, American and Canadian journalists. I can only imagine who, else, who else's name was on there, considering when they detained Click Kit. Kit Clarenberg, I think we're going to have to clip that. Kit Clarenberg, mm -hmm. they wanted to know what yeah, he knew about Max Blumenthal. Kit Commander, you say? Yes. <laughs> the FBI's uh, attempt anyway. <laughs> to ban Twitter accounts at the, at the request of Ukrainian intelligence is among the most overt requests for censorship revealed to date in the Twitter files a cache of leaked communications from the social media giant. The FBI censorship request was relayed in a March 27, 2022 email from FBI agent, special agent Alexander Kobanets, the assistant legal attaché at the U.S. Embassy in Kiev. The two Twitter executives, four FBI colleagues, were copied on the exchange. Quote, thank you very much for your time to discuss the assistance to Ukraine, Kobanets wrote. I'm including a list of accounts I received over a couple weeks from the Security Service of Ukraine. These accounts are suspected by the SBU and spreading fear and disinformation for your review and consideration. Oh my God, Jesse. Spreading fear. Spreading fear and disinformation for your review and consideration. That is absolutely a fucking line that's going to go in a Jesse Jet poem or lyric from very yeah. quickly. I promise you. That, is, that sounds like Jesse just wrote that. So there's the email. Send it to him. Yeah, uh, maybe we will mm. copy that. Let's uh right, right now, <laughs> like literally right now. All right, uh, and I'll explain later. All right. So, yes, I do squirrel even when I'm running a show. So, the attached document was drafted by Ukraine's SBU, contained 163 accounts, including mine. The list is numbered to 175, but some have two corresponding numerical lines. I'm not going to open the list. You're welcome, Reef. The listed Twitter profiles hey. the SBU alleged have been used to disseminate disinformation and fake news 
to inaccurately reflect in, inaccurately reflect events in Ukraine, justify war crimes of the Russian authorities on the territory of the Ukrainian state in violation of international law. They're calling an Article 5 NAFO is what these assholes are doing. Literally. Yeah, um, sorry. Mm -hmm. In order to stop Russian aggression on the information front. Okay, except that these guys are the biggest liars and, and misinformation purveyors on the planet. Quote, we kindly ask you to yep. take urgent matters to block these Twitter accounts to provide us with user data specified during registration. Because everybody just created an entire army of Twitter profiles that featured a stupid dog head, right? Everybody did that. No, that was the Ukrainians with the aid of NATO or the CIA or Homeland Security or whoever the hell helped them, but somebody in the U.S. and in the Five Eyes. I think there's somebody in British intel, too, because Britain seems to be also one of the countries that's driving this Ukraine war heavily. I think they're deathly afraid of a Germany... Russian alliance, and they're doing everything they can to drive a wedge between Germany and Russia, which pushes Russia away from Western Europe. I think that's partly what's happening. It's not just us. It's them, too. So, in order to, quote, stop Russian aggression on the information front, right, we kindly ask you to block the these Twitter accounts and provide us with, with, you, with user data specified during registration. So you want their credit card, which is what a lot of them had to provide. You want some of their ID. You want yep. whatever information. How about no? The SBU expressed its gratitude for no. the existing level of interaction. That means they're already doing something. Right? That's literally from the memo. Did you see the memo? You got the memo, right? How about no? Thank you. That was very scratchy. Um, if granted. It is. Just, it's just I need to find a better file. The users on the list would not only have been banned from Twitter, but had their phone number, date of birth, and email address disclosed to both the FBI and SBU. I'm guessing that the FBI probably has your date of birth and email address as well and phone number. Anyway, they didn't really need Twitter to give it to them. Yep. Mm. <laughs> I'm in danger. Yep. In response, Yoel Roth, our friend, not so much, Twitter's then head of trust and safety, yep. informed Special Agent Kobanetz and his FBI colleagues that Twitter would review the reported accounts under our rules, but he warned that the list included a few accounts of American and Canadian journalists, e.g. Aaron Maté. Therefore, Roth said, Twitter's review would focus first and foremost on identifying any potential inauthenticity. Roth then said, now how much time are they committing to this on behalf of the Ukrainian security service? This is insane. Like, what is it Twitter's business to be censoring this kind of shit? Well, we know, but... Like, Jack was running Twitter then. Did he just basically turn around and turn a blind eye to it? Or, well, no, we know that Jack was probably in on this shit too. Roth then suggested that he would be open to suspending authentic accounts if it could be proven that they have a hidden tie to a foreign government. This is the TYT line about who pays you, who funds you. They're trying to censor anyone that is saying that Ukraine is losing. Journalists who cover the conflict with a pro-Russian stance are unlikely to be found in violation of our rules absent other contexts that might establish some kind of covert or deceptive association between them and a government, Roth wrote. Any additional information or context in those areas is, of course, welcome and appreciated. 
they're perfectly happy to censor people on behalf of Ukraine that are saying that Russia is winning. They just need further proof legally in order to be able to do so. That's what Yoel is basically saying. That's that last line right there. We all know what a piece of shit Yoel Roth is. And now he's in hiding, by the way, because of the Twitter files. And that sucks. But man, did you screw over a lot of people? Yeah, but what about... But what about... Vajaya, watch your mouth. This is a family show. <laughs> She's just fine, man. She testified in front of Congress again recently. So in his reply, Kobanets did not directly acknowledge Roth's concerns about Ukraine's FBI-abetted effort to censor journalists. Understood, he told Roth. Whatever your review determines and action Twitter deems is appropriate. He also indicated that the FBI Whatever would... Whatever you say. Yeah, that's right. Would not meet... He, he indicated that the FBI would not meet Roth's request for any context that might establish ties between journalists and a foreign government. Unlikely there'll be any in additional information or context. Yeah, okay. Well, I read Tom Clancy, and <laughs> it 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 was a book about Russia. So, therefore, I have to be a Russian agent. <laughs> obviously. Of course. So you in, know? Inside Twitter, Roth forwarded the FBI request to two colleagues. This is the output of our meeting with the FBI last week. The output. Corporate speak is such bullshit. The list of accounts is a mixed bag. There's some state media mixed in with a bunch of other stuff, but given the context, I think a deep dive here warranted. Why? Why? Are you now working for the FBI? Are you now working for the... Who appointed Twitter the security state? Well, we know the answer to all those things, mm. but it wasn't the public. We never had a referendum on this. We never decided that, that that was okay, and Twitter never told us that they were doing this. I mean, That's the whole point of the Twitter files, is that they were giving all this stuff and working hand-in-hand -hand with agencies, you know, national security agencies, FBI, and that's just here. You think they weren't doing that in other countries where Twitter was operating? <laughs> Come on. So, yeah, now we know. They are narrative managers. They are censorship monger. They, I mean, th this is gross. And to find out more of this that they were asking for. Now, thankfully, in this case, Twitter didn't oblige, but I'll bet they took down some of those accounts. Yeah. While we appreciate your inquiry as a matter of practice, we do not confirm, deny, or otherwise comment on specific interactions, nor confirm the veracity of correspondence. Yeah, thanks. That's when anyone asked about whether they were involved with this. The National Press Office from the FBI. So, the FBI officials copied on Kobanet's exchange with Twitter include Elvis Chan. We've definitely seen Elvis Chan in prior, prior Twitter files. He's an assistant special agent in charge of the FBI San Francisco field office. That's the local one to where Twitter's headquarters is, where he manages its cyber branch. He's literally like, like the um, Silicon Valley super spook. Um. That's that's Elvis super Chan. Super spook. Well, super spook for the FBI. He's not, and, and he may also work for the OGAs, but we don't know. Chan was active in the FBI's contacts. The with original Twitter. Gangsters Alliance. Yep. When the social media giant censorship <laughs> reporting on Hunter Biden's laptop, right? Chan was involved in the Hunter Biden laptop censorship, also shortly before the November 2020 election, and as Aaron recently reported. Uh, he was also involved in the FBI's decision to forego a direct inspection of the DNC servers and instead rely on the Hillary Clinton-funded cyber firm CrowdStrike 
in the Bureau's probe of alleged Russian hacking in 2016. Of the 163 accounts named by the SBU, 34 were suspended and 20 no longer exist. So about a third. The rest remain active. Oh, okay, so I guess they did find some to be in violation. I think that if you suggest 163 accounts to Twitter, about a third of them are going to be a bots anyway, right? I mean, that's less than a third, 34 out of 160. So I think that's a pretty decent hit rate. Those marked for censorship by Ukraine but remain online include Russian politicians Gennady Zuganov, a longtime member of Russia's Communist Party and parliamentarian who lost to Yeltsin in Russia's 96th presidential election, Dmitry Rogozin, who is deputy, Russia's deputy, former deputy prime minister, and Sergei Miranov, who is a Russian politician and parliamentarian. So the list also includes Russian journalists and the editor-in-chief of the Russian state-controlled network RT. Several Russian government agencies and media outlets were also listed. And the Ukrainian nationals targeted by the SBU's re suppression request include a video blogger and politician, that's Anatoly Shari, who fled Ukraine in 2012 and subsequently received EU asylum, uh, Andrei Portnov, uh, and he's a lawyer and politician, and then uh, a senior fit uh, who served as senior official under Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych until Yanukovych's ouster in the February 2014 Maidan coup. Um, so both of their accounts remain active. <clears throat> so that's pretty interesting. They were kind of kicked out and exiled from Ukraine. So the disclosure of, of a collaboration on censorship between the FBI and SBU is the latest documented in the instance of Ukrainian state-tied attempts to, to target foreign voices. We know all about that. A Ukrainian website known as Myrovets, we know all about that too, maintains a list of what it calls enemies of the Ukraine. Aaron was recently added to that list, along with the great zones Anya Parampil, as well as the comedian and YouTube host Jimmy Dore. Carl Reed has interviewed no more, no less than 10 people on that list already. Um, you can go see a Tar Reed playlist over on Indie News Network or go see uh, youtube.com slash Tar Reed author. You have to type it all the way out or find most recent videos because if you search her name, they show all the corporate media sl uh, slamming of her from years ago, but it doesn't show any of her more recent current work where she's done incredible investigative journalism and work. Uh, of course, Tar Reed um, moved to Russia. Um, I think we talked about that a little bit last week. But we love and support Tar Reid. She's a member of Any News Network. Uh, we're going to continue to do her podcast at INN. But to get back to Aaron's article here, um, last year, the Global Tech Media Conference Web Summit, right, withdrew a speaking invitation to the Gray Zones Max, Max Blumenthal and Aaron after Olena Zelenska, the wife of Vladimir Zelensky, demanded their cancellation. Another Gray Zone colleague, Kit Clarenberg, was recently detained and interrogated about his journalism by British authorities. Again, Gray Zone, Kit Clarenberg, both, both Indie Media Award honorees. So, news of the FBI's work with Ukrainian intelligence to censor Twitter users also follows reporting from journalist Lee Fang that the FBI has pressured Facebook to remove accounts and posts deemed by the SBU to be Russian, quote, disinformation. 
According to Fang, a senior Ukrainian official in regular contact with the FBI to define disinformation in such broad terms that it could mean viewpoints that simply contradict the Ukrainian government's narrative. Support Aaron Mate, support the gray zone. He's also on Useful Idiots on Mondays, but uh, and and they do they've done some pretty decent interviews themselves. You know they had Cy Hirsch on recently, some other pretty pretty big. I think they had Roger Waters on last week or two weeks ago. Um, Kit Clarenberg was also featured. I wonder how they got that interview because Aaron and Kit worked together over at the Gray Zone. Um, but yeah, great art, a great writer, Arabate. Um, good dude. Everyone seems to like him. Gary Bear is in the chat. Putin's a madman. <laughs> nice, you grabbed the Jamal Bowman clip already. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yes, I yeah, am apologizing for Putin aggression, and I know that that's unforgivable, Greg. Grab. Okay, yeah. so um, let him finish. That was brave of him to disclose his ED. Who has ED? Oh, come on, come on. Oh, we're playing games here. Oh, please, someone start a band called the Hosby Knowing, so I can introduce the band, ladies and gentlemen, the Hosby Knowing. That's very funny, E. Heller. Thank mm -hmm. you, Ed. Um, yeah. How about now, you crazy Dutch bastard? That's right, John. Thank you. Appreciate that. Screw Google. Yeah, I don't think you missed very much. I don't even want to mention that dude's name. I think that show may still be going yeah. on. I don't know. I listened to Shotskovich, so I have to be a Russian agent. That's right. Um, well, we, we, we watch Fiorella all the time. Okay. You don't think they're looking for substantiation of message, Scott? versus 4chan style opinion pieces and unsubstantiated uh, innuendo. I think they're looking... No, I don't think they're looking for that. I think that the FBI stopped looking for right-wing content around the time of the Trump era. And I don't know if they've ever put it back in place. But that was... They changed the focus of the FBI to change from right-wing domestic terror potential... Um, Following on top of the fact that Elon Musk bought it and everybody's now calling it a right wing cesspool. And they're saying that basically um, verified accounts, $8 blue checks are not being censored or not being monitored for hate speech whatsoever. And it's gotten a lot worse. Now that's according to corporate media. I don't know how true that is. I don't know how much they've been. Um, human centipede, centipede. Oh, come on. I No, I don't read the... The end user lies. That's a great episode of South Park. If anybody knows what Scott's talking about here, he's talking about the South Park episode with the human centipede, and they make everyone sign the human, uh, human centipad. Right. Yeah, the centipad. That's right. Where they have to sign the the end user agreement and sign agree to the terms and conditions, which signs their life away every time, and no matter what they do, they always sign it and they check the box. It's very funny. Um. Yes, we are all officially going to be Russian assets just because we produce Tara's live stream and podcast. Yep. So, uh, appreciate you guys being here after the Dudison stream. Yes, I, he is. Well, no, he's not. Joel Bowman is a bad man. He's a madman. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got two. Oh, my he God. He gave me two. Oh, Putin's <laughs> a bad man. That's how you know he doesn't know what he's talking about. Two in about a three minute thing. 
And that's the only thing that he has. Yeah. Like he didn't, he didn't know what the Donbass was. He didn't really know where Crimea was or what we were doing. Well, I know we got to fund Ukraine. That's all I know. Oh, it was really bad. It was terrible. Jamal Bowman, Don't shame, man. Bad. Yeah, it's bad. Yes. Uh, shout out to Keaton and and to Russ over at Do Dissidents. Russ actually was over, did a fill-in quit at last minute for Misty on Tuesday over on TNT Radio. So appreciate Russ for doing that. Um, we can't we convince Yeti Jose on. about Katie. Don't worry. Did we worry. have Yeti on with Misty? Did we have Yeti? I don't know if we did. I don't know if we did. I don't know if we did yet. We need to get his, the big we've, show, the big show do, on Misty Wednesday. We've got to get the big show. <laughs> He's been on Bitch, but not on TNT Radio. Oh, shout out to Yeti. Oh, we love that too. Times is it the Yeti? Yes, it is. Is is he here? No, not not tonight. But yes, we're. Oh, don't worry. Screw. We're we got we got Joe working on that already. All right. So uh, that okay. So let me let me put that up really quick. Screw Google is asking for a what? compilation to be made of Jordan uh, saying Jimmy Dore a hundred times oh, like yeah. they did of Sam. Yes, we have got that on order already. Uh, what is that don't, voice? Don't pay attention voice? to the charlatan. C.S. Moria. Don't uh, do that, it. That, that's, that's Craig. Don't Mor- do it. It's bad. That's Craig over on the Twitch asking, what is that What is that voice? That Oh, my goodness, it's a Yeti. Who is that? Uh, Tim Curry. Is that Tim Curry? Um, Sweet Jesus. Yeah, 44 from, times. Ah, it's I love from, it. Colin. Colin's it's from the, the Wild snack. Thornberries. That's... That's Nigel Thornberry, played by Tim Curry. Um, Lord Nelson's trousers, it's a Yeti. I fucking love but, Tim but, Curry. But, but why? Lord yes, Thornberry's that is, is your point. I, I, I'm, missing, I'm missing part of the context here. But Crab's already doing it. All right, so we've got more stories. Uh, two more. All right, so <clears throat> next one. Let's get to the dossier, Jordan Schachtel. Um, I subscribe to the dossier it provides me with an alternative view that I don't want to pull my hair out. Um, he's not a lefty. He's not really, he is independent, but he certainly leans right. And I would guess that he is a Republican though. He bags on Trump pretty often. Um, he puts out here about mission impossible. And I love this. This is actually finally someone who's debunking this nonsense that I can share. So on Nord Stream in Ukraine, the ruling class literally has no respect for your intelligence because this is Mission Impossible, the Ukrainian Navy Nord Stream Pipeline Edition. This is going to once again show the Washington Post has published a new report citing anonymous transatlantic source intelligence sources. I can't even get through that sentence without laughing. Doubling down on the idea that Ukraine (laughs) pulled off the Nord Stream Pipeline sabotage attack without coordinating with a major global power in the process. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so you have the Discord leaks. The CIA in June 2022 learned that a team of Ukrainian special operations forces intended to attack the Russia to Germany natural gas pipeline. It was sabotaged in September 2022. We know this. I know who covered. did it. It was Joe Biden. He's the North Stream bomber. It. Yes. No, no, you have any. No, it's it's a Gladys White and the Orcas. The Orcas did it, everybody. They've been Gladys has been awesome. All right, so (laughs) Jordan Jordan put together a map detailing the route that would be required 
for Ukraine's Navy to sail from the war-torn port of Odessa to the areas where Nord Stream pipeline was sabotaged. The round-trip journey amounts to about 10,000 miles, which would be impossible to pull off undetected. Here's the route. They're going to start over here at the Black Sea. They're going to go all around the entire continent of Europe. They're going to go right there. I think that that's next to Sicily there, between Sicily and, Sicily and Tunisia. Ibiza should be right around there. Right between Spain and Morocco. No, correct. Yeah, the, the other way. The other yeah. way? Yep. All right. All the way yeah, up and around. Like totally undetected by anybody that. and end up all the way over there. And then go all the way back. Okay. Vince you March. Italy's little boot hitting Crete. Right? That's not... What? Yeah. Italy's li little boot. Italy's hit, boot. That's Sicily. That's Sicily yeah. right there. Not Crete. Crete's, Crete's yeah. back there in Greece. Crete's back Crete's there. Crete's the other, other little island. Crete's back there. Greece, Rome, same... They're the same. Yeah, close enough. Croatia, we got this. Yes, Krebs <laughs> got this. Krebs like Croatia, we got this. All right. Since March, the corporate media has been assisting the U.S. intel community in making the case that the Biden administration had nothing to do with the Nord Stream sabotage attack. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. The talking points first appeared in the New York Times, which claimed that an unnamed pro-Ukrainian group was said to be responsible for the September 2022 attack. The sources for this information remain nothing more than anonymous intelligence agents. Well, go figure. The transatlantic ruling classes are simply what? making a mockery. Yes, what? Are simply making a mockery of our ability Solid to reason. Mockery. Solid mockery. Given the ramifications that would come from admitting to authorizing such an attack, we can safely assume there will never be accountability from the Biden administration for this operation, but there will be plenty of additional storytelling to come. Yeah. More stories. More stories. So this is a short one. I, I did want to show this map because I think this map, it just... Okay. Prove to me that the Ukrainian Navy could pull that off. Just that trip. Undetected. Let alone the charges and everything else that would have taken, plus having the equipment to do so to pull that whole thing off. Totally undetected by Russia, which, by the way, also monitors shit that's happening right there in the Baltic Sea. They're not going to see a Ukrainian yeah. sub? Come on. Come on, man. Like, insulting. <laughs> Dude, that's good. That's good. Shout out to the gray zone for getting that, that footage. So for, those, for those who don't know what that is, um, earlier this week, one of the gray zone reporters was walking, uh, did a walk and talk with Jamal Bowman as he's walking into Congress asking him about Ukraine and funding for Ukraine and for and for uh why do and, you why do you fund why do you fund Ukraine the Ukraine war? Putin's a madman. That's why. And and he really didn't have very Putin's much else man. beyond that Putin's a madman. So we have we gotta stop him. <laughs> yeah. And and we gotta stop him because because he's a madman. Yep. But he didn't know about the Crimea and the Donbass. He had no idea. Well, see, the thing is, I actually think that he was fibbing because he didn't want to admit what he knew because he knew what he knew wasn't yeah. good. All right. So he just acted like Why he didn't you know. always lying? Pretty much. He acted like he didn't know anything about it. And it was like, okay, great. Thanks. Have a good day. And he just blew him off and walked in the building. Like, that's what I saw happening. I know a lot of people felt like like he was really playing 
looked like he really was dumb. I really feel like he was playing dumb. And he is well read in on exactly what we are doing, what Ukraine is doing, where we are, and the fact that we have not been doing or winning like the media has been saying we are. And somehow Russia has not collapsed. Russia, well, ask our friend Fiorella, has Russia collapsed? No, they really haven't. Actually, they're, they've been better off in some ways since this thing started they're making deals with india they're making deals with china they're making they've aligned with BRICS. they just went to a thing with in south africa and um yeah no we don't want to ask them because what we'll find out is that we're the ones behind it um journalists ask them the question oh god oh that is you know, I used to be such a fan. It's so sad. It really is. Oh, uh, here we go. Screw Google. Come on, guys. Do you really need to know anything about the country that you're sending hundreds of billions of dollars worth of weapons to? Who amongst us hasn't hasn't sent weapons to that? foreign wars? Yes. Yes. Kit's first movie was Orca, and the second was The Wall. Next week is They Live. Yes. Shout out to Kit over at Hardlands Media. They live. Friend of the show. They live. Was, yeah. He was on uh, episode 75, I believe, 74, 75. He was, he was here about uh, four or eight weeks ago. One of our last guests. Love that kid. Roddy, Roddy Piper. That's one of our brothers. All right. Uh, we got one more story, and we're all going to hate this one. Bean Boy. Bean Boy. As, <laughs> as Reef loves to call him. His name is Judd Legume, and therefore he writes popular information, which is one of the OG Substacks. It's got tens of thousands of paid subscribers. And what he's saying here is you get what you pay for. And my my um my title for this segment is um I don't even remember what it was, but it, it was it was kind of ge- vague and generic. But what's going on here? A new report from Brown University's Costs of War project shared exclusively with popular information, which is why I brought this article. This is an exclusive. This is a report that nobody else really had seen or reported on. All right. It reveals how decades of enormous military spending have reshaped the federal government and the U.S. economy. Fascinating info coming out of this. Today, more than half of all discretionary spending is spent on defense, quote-unquote defense. Military personnel make up the majority of federal government employees. Let me repeat that. Military personnel make up the majority of federal government employees. And private military contractors are a leading force in the U.S. economy. Meanwhile, meanwhile, investments in, meanwhile. Infra- investments in infrastructure, healthcare, education, and emergency preparedness have been crowded out. Now, our friend, our friend Solomon Grumbine would say we could be doing both and should be. And... Man. I don't really have much of an answer for why not other than what happens in an economic downturn globally. You can't just keep printing money. But the numbers are startling. There are about three and a half million people who work for the federal government, including civilians and uniformed military personnel. 72% of all federal workers are defense-related, including DOD civilians. What about the 10%? What about the 10%? But... DOD, uniform military personnel, and the Def- Department of Veterans Affairs staff. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Department of Health and Human Services employs 4% of federal civilian workers. 
The State Department, tasked with using diplomacy to avert wars, employs 1% versus 72%. I wonder why we are a war hawkish country. Figure three. Now, this is um, the breakdown of federal, civilian, and uniform personnel for last year, which is also fascinating. You had 38% of active duty personnel at 38%. That, that was the most. All other federal civilian personnel at 29%. The, per, the personnel running the VA at 12 And the DOD civilians making up another 21%. That's a pretty big pie. The Department of Defense has a budget of $849 billion in the current fiscal year, and more than half is funneled to military contractors. About 30% of this money goes to just five firms, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, Raytheon, General Dynamics, and Northrop Grumman. That's not spelled right. G-R-U-M-M-A-N. Anyway, billions are awarded without competitive bidding because there's no competitors. In 2020, for example, only 10% of Lockheed Martin's contracts were subject to competition. Now, how many of you have subbed to the Lockheed Martin OnlyFans? How many of you are loyalists for the Raytheon Patreon? I'm quoting Jesse Chet. Despite the massive sums of money involved, quote, we know surprisingly little about how they spend these funds, what kinds of jobs and pay are supported, which subcontractors are paid, and how much. All five companies spend in excess of $10 million annually lobbying the federal government. $10 million, 74 30% of the half of the money. So let's see, $849, let us take $850, half of that is $425, 30% of the $425, that's about $120 billion, $150 billion right there. They spend in excess of $10 million annually lobbying the government to get 150 billion in contracts. Think they're getting return on investment? Yeah. Today, military contracts are distributed to every congressional district and nearly every county in the United States. According to the report, this isn't an accident. Why? Because military contractors understand that spreading out contracts means buying and gaining political support. Strategy produces more constituents and more politicians fighting to win or maintain those contracts for the sake of their jobs. Of course. But military spending comes at a cost. Yes, it does. And this is what the cover of this thumbnail is going to look like. Since 2015, the U.S. has added more than $300 billion to its annual defense spending. Thank both Obama and Trump and now Joe Biden for even increasing on Trump's budget every year. 860 some odd billion, I believe he's looking for, maybe even 880 something next year. Hmm. That 300 billion alone, that increase is equivalent to the annual cost of providing universal pre-K for three and four year olds, two years of free community college for high school graduates and health insurance for uninsured Americans combined. And here's the breakdown. Now, what you'd have to do is ditch the entire defense contractor money. You've got 318 for 40% emission reduction, 260 million, 260 billion for an infrastructure at A grade. Right now, I believe we're at a D. 149 billion to extend healthcare coverage. 109 billion gets two years of free community college. 
46 billion, just 46 billion gets you universal pre-K for three and four-year-olds a year. And 858 billion is what we spend on defense. Uh-huh. Defense. When we're the ones that are destabilizing countries all over the world. Who attacked us exactly? Right. The situation described in the report is likely to worsen following the recent passage of a deal to raise the debt ceiling, which reduces most discretionary spending for two years while allowing defense spending to continue apace. Go figure. U.S. taxpayers have gotten what they've paid for, which is an economy that is devoted to the military, both in terms of spending and in terms of jobs. That's the author of the study, Dr. Heidi Peltier, concludes. The following is a transcript of Popular Information's interview with Peltier, edited for length and clarity. So he asks a couple questions. Um, he, uh, he says that she describes in the report that today, both the federal government and to a certain extent, the economy overall is dominated by military spend. When did this dynamic begin? Until recently, it would go up during wartime and down during peacetime. And what we're seeing in recent years is that it keeps going up even when we're not at war. So with the exit from Afghanistan and the winding down of the Iraq war, we really should be seeing military spending going down. And yet we continue to see increased military budgets. So that's something that I think has changed over the last 20 years in the post 9-11 era. Right. So then he asks, many politicians and pundits argue that the U.S. is not spending enough on the military. Really? Not spending enough. They can fuck off. One of the arguments that I see centers around purchasing power. The argument is that we spend more than the next 10 or 11 countries combined on our military, but that distorts reality because it's much cheaper for the Chinese to pay for things. So what would you say to that? Well, you're saying that we spend three times as much as China and we spend 10 times as much as Russia. And if that argument were true, you could look at the numbers of tanks, drones, weapons, and ammo. But there's some ability to make things cheaper in China. The United States still has a lot more tanks and a lot more nuclear weaponry, a lot more ammunition, and a lot more weapon systems of all types. Because hmm. we are warmongers. The judge then asks, another common argument is that we have a dominant position over countries like China now, but they're investing aggressively, so we need to continue to invest ag aggressively to stay ahead. So she says that we're spending upwards of $850 billion on the military. You could cut that by 10% or even 20%, and we'd still be aggressively investing, especially given that we're not at war. But we're spending some money on Ukraine, but we're, we ourselves are not at war. <laughs> yeah, okay. We're spending some money on the Ukraine war. $200 billion this year, or in the last year and a half. Some money. No big deal. He then says, you note in the paper that billions are funneled to defense contractors, but not much is known about how that money is spent. Why is that? Well, some of them are, are overseas. They pay subcon. Some of the defense contractors overseas pay subcontractors who then also pay subcontractors. And the chain can go on and sometimes three or four contractors deep. And in particular, in conflict areas where U.S. contractors are receiving contracts and then hiring local companies or third party, third country companies. Um, to perform some of the subcontracts, there's not much oversight or enough. Uh, it's not very, it's very easy to lose track of who's getting the money and how much is getting into whose hands. So half the DOD budget stays within the DOD. Half of its budget goes to contractors. And then we quickly lose sight of what happens to the funding and the personnel that makes up that half the military spent. 
yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. He says it's still fairly rare to see prominent elected officials criticize the level of U.S. military spend. Why do you think the arguments you make in this paper are so marginalized? Hmm. He says, of course, first Congress people are beholden to the military because nobody wants to be their congressman who cuts funding to their district and is seen as responsible for any potential job loss. This is why they put military bases in every district. Because they now want to make you beholden to the military because otherwise you're now costing your district jobs. So then you get both Republicans and Democrats arguing against cutting any military funding or arguing for increasing military funding because they don't want to take any chance on job losses in their own district. And then, then related to that, it's seen as very unpatriotic to cut military spending. Thank you, corporate media, for propagating that bullshit. Political support for the military is seen as a show of patriotism and supporting of U.S. dominance. And nobody wants to be seen as unpatriotic. Heaven forbid you actually practice diplomacy. I hate it here. Yep. <sighs> cool. You were talking about burger cheeseburgers with the uh, yeah, with the extreme. Whoop. There's my cheeseburgers melted Swiss in the burger. Come on, folks. That is some badass stuff. It was yummy. It was yummy. And then I made grilled chicken. That was, that was my Saturday. All right. So, um, hey, we have a schedule, everybody. Mm. Tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Hey, Eastern. got time for that. Yep. Crab and Chris, alternative angle. This Tuesday night, we are off from American tradition. Uh, on my channel, I will be running Ryan's... Uh, I don't remember what Ryan's last name is. He's from the Independent Review. I really like his stuff. He actually included an INN clip this week in his. And what he does is he takes about a hour and 45 minute uh, a video and he clips together some of the best of segments of the week from Whitney Webb, from Last American Vagabond, from AM Wake Up, from Convo Couch, from INN, and uh, others. And he puts them together in a nice compilation in one long video, which I really like. Um, so we'll be running that on Tuesday night on Indie Left Media's channel, not on INN. He's had a couple of YouTube strikes, content strikes. I don't want to risk the network initially. Uh, I love his stuff, and I want to give him more amplification. Give him a follow, the independent review, if you can. He's on Rumble. He's on Odyssey. He's on YouTube. He's not on Rockfin yet because we got to get him some more subs. And he's on Twitter at the IND Review. Um, Wednesday night, INN News, Reef and Colin. Bear Bear in the chat. Uh, Thursday night. Bear Bear. We had a bit of a hiccup this Thursday, but Bread and Circuses is due to debut this Thursday night with Chris. Um, little technical difficulties. We had a little thumbnail issues. We had a little restream issues. We're going to get all that stuff worked out. And we're going to go live Thursday night. Then Friday afternoon, the Handsome Cynic. He was live on Friday at a great show. Saturday nights, 8 o'clock. We just had Bitch with Comrade Misty last night. Tune in Saturday night for that. And then back, we'll be back Sunday night for How Do We Miss That? And it's Father's Day. I have no idea what's going to be happening. Um, I'm going to try to prepare a show. I'm guessing we're going to do one. We skipped last Father's Day, and I ran a playlist of all of our Julian Assange, free Julian Assange, all of the Julian Assange segments in honor of a father who can't be with his children on Father's Day. Um, 
And uh, man, we we were fortunate enough. Uh, if you if you get a chance, take a look at the INN Substack, and let's just go over there real quick. Um, INN Substack, IndieNewsNetwork.substack.com. You can go over there right now. We've got our uh, Chris's article about the empire. We're coming for all of you, Chris Legion. Shout out to Chris. But I published a what's going on at INN. And that just recaps everything that INN had going on in the past week. So if you go to indienewsnetwork.substack.com, here's links to all of the different streams by day. Reef was actually on the convo couch this week. So was Angel. Um, we also on, what I wanted to shout out was on Wednesday, there's, a, there's Angel Stream and Reef on Convo and INN News from last week, Cornell West 2024. That's an interesting thing that's happening. Of course, Angel was on that stream. That's Rumble only. That's no longer available on YouTube because they were talking about some medical stuff. Durden came out and did another um, Political Fight Club bonus episode after Cornell West announced he was running. But this is what I wanted to call attention to. We ran and were given the honor of um, co-streaming a consortium news event with Julian Assange's lawyers and some experts on a panel, including Ben Cohen, you know, from Ben & Jerry's. Margaret Kunstler, who's a plaintiff, and Deborah Herbeck. And they're actually suing the, uh, the CIA for uh, plotting to murder Julian Assange. Uh, so there was a press conference. We were actually able to co-host it on INN, on Indie Left Media, as well as on Tara Reid's channel, and I believe on the Bitch with Comrade Misty channel. All right, so you can find all this. Tara was on Rising. This was actually a really good interview. Tara was on with, with, her, um, with her lawyer. But please, if you get a chance, go go check this out. It's a full 24-minute interview exclusive that she did on Monday with Rising. And Jesse debuted his new piece, Blood Badge, that was uh, on Tuesday night on American Tradition. That is a Stop Cop City piece. That is us on TikTok as well as you can find it on, Insta on uh, YouTube. But please subscribe to us on TikTok, tiktok.com slash indienews.network, at indienews.network. And then you have Monday's Alternative Angle with Rav and Chris. And this was last Sunday night's Kick-Ass Thumbnail and Misty. So we try to include everything there. These are all of the members of IndieNews.network. Go follow us, find us, check out all of our members. There may be more coming soon. We'll see. Stay tuned, everybody. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. This is Indy. And that's Reef. And he's not even in the shot. Wait, let's go back to that one. Yeah, I am. That's I'm better. Here. Now you're in the shot. No, when I was mm -hmm. the vertical shot, you're cut off. Um, oh, gotcha. All right. So we will be back next Sunday. I love you all. Thank you all for being yeah. here. Uh, I'm going to, of course, say to keep questioning everybody's motivations. Hey, what's one of the little birds have to tell you? Good night, fam. Good night. Bye. Have a great time. There's a thing. Bye. Have a great time. You're not playing a thing? I'm waiting for that. Right in.
Big Man Crab Joe. Keep up those great videos. Hey guys, it's Yeti. Uh, coming at you. Hello, my name is Lucy from Big Man Red Wine. This is Chris Legion. I think I liked it better being blind When I couldn't read between the lines And when I couldn't see the cracks in the structure That lay bare before me the whole time I think I liked it better back when I Suspended disbelief and swallowed pride I thought I knew the difference in the red from the blue But they both bleed us so dry both bleed us so dry My favorite songs don't hit the same way I get to the end of a four minute track And I'm only looking back thinking What did they actually say? 